It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday may 2nd and you're listening to episode 518 as always i'm your host jason here today joined by friend and fellow game designer brian vene brian how's it going it's going great how are you doing 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 well um so you were going to be on the show a while ago um back uh what was it? It was after right after Pax Unplugged. Right after Pax Pax Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and Roscoe were going to be on together. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and then Just a myriad uh, of tech issues on my end. So many tech issues. I've never been more thankful to have two guests on an episode because <laughs> it was like <laughs> we were recording it right after that show. That was the night we had to do it. Um, and yeah, and your your uh, computer would not let you in, and uh, but good news we've since you've since been able to fix that so figured out what it was and uh it's always easier to do that afterwards right not like in the moment of like why is this not working yeah at the time your mind just goes blank and i um i've I've had you know with zencaster the the service we use it, it generally works perfectly but we've had plenty of times where like one person is like it's just not working and i'm like i don't know why like i like here are things you can try, um, but it's tough. You know, it's uh, it's the most reliable thing I've found so far. But it's, I mean, as with any tech thing, it is not without, uh, it is not without its flaws, um, and it's bad interfacing with different things. So, yeah, yeah. I think ultimately, I just wound up getting a different laptop, and I think that's. <laughs> I'll just buy a whole new laptop to be on the show. <laughs> I have to get on that show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you say that, but then trust me, after you've been on for a lot of episodes, you're like, I'm on this show. I'm still here. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, um, so Brian, you and I, we met through, you've been listening to the show for a while. We met through Discord. Um, kind of, I feel like we met, the, the community's been out there for a while, but I got you know, more heavily into the community in the last year. And, um, we we started chatting more, I think, during that time on Discord, and now now you're in the weekly meetups quite a bit, and uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I yeah, I kind of do feel like I may have predated you in your own Discord. I, I'm pretty sure you did. I mean, I may have been there, but I wasn't active at all mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, it took a while for Discord to click with me. It just and then once it did, I was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> I love this. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. I think some of the builders were using it because um, there's a bunch of subfolders, and one of them is for Unpub. Mm-hmm. So I sent a message in there a few weeks ago, and I was looking, and the last message was actually from me in 2018, where I was talking to some of the other builders where we were oh, meeting wow. up. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got the sub channels for every uh, event, so that that way people can communicate in there. And uh, yeah, obviously there may only be one or two people going to an event. So there's not always a lot of conversation in there, but we have them just the same because it does really make it easier to talk about those events uh, without it getting lost in general chat or something like that. So. Yeah. So Brian, how long have you been, uh, how long have you been designing and working on games? I've been designing since about 2015. 
which kind of coincides with the birth of my daughter. Um, we, we adopted her in May. And then I think after that, my board gaming or being able to make it to board game groups just kind of like shut down. Right. Right. So I kind of started getting more into the design side of things, getting more interested in that. And from there, I mean, just getting up so many times at like 2am and listening to podcasts eventually run out. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. So I started listening to more design podcasts and then kind of coming up with designs in my head and Mm -hmm. I kind of, kind of just went from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you were now counting myself for the third person that I've heard say they started games, designing games around about the time they had their first kid. Fernando uh, said the same thing on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, for me, I was doing independent films um, as like a side gig and hobby, which take a ton of time and coordination and a lot of people um, and time away. And once we had a kid, I was like, well, that's not going to (laughs) work anymore. Um, and that was, you know, and, uh, we started the podcast and started designing, uh, within months, uh, of my first son being born just before actually. So, so yeah, yeah. It, um, yeah, I, I feel that there is something that changes there that I think, you know, not that obviously people don't need that spark to make them want to design, but I do think for, for some of us that is, um, you know, it kind of changes, how everything's going in your life and yeah, how you have to know. focus on priorities. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. In our um our games pretty big with your family then? Oh no. Uh my daughter's oh. just starting to get into games. Um and and my husband will play games. Sometimes I'll I will pitch ideas to him and mm-hmm. he will come back with what would be considered just the antithesis of any good design advice. He's like, well, <laughs> you know, if, if you're on a board and you roll the dice and you're moving around and I was like, I, n- I never said this was a roll and move game. Or he's like, maybe you could add something where people lose a turn every time this happens. Um, <laughs> right, I think right, one right. day I'm just going to make a game that has like player elimination and turn loss and all the things he loves in games. Um, if, but, if a game had all those things, player elimination, maybe like, you know, maybe the yeah. saving grace. <laughs> that's that's actually how you win. How do you get eliminated the fastest? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really interesting um, to have, you know, because obviously if if somebody's exposure to board games is minimal, especially if it was from when they were younger and in those type of games. Yeah. I mean, like you just listed the quintessential you know, design aspects of some games that we played when we were kids. Right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And, and those things are, you know, I, that's one of the things my son will be when he's working on a design, he'll say, so I thought you could lose the turn. And I'm like, well, like, I don't want to say like, that's always a bad idea. Like never good. Like I, I remember talking about that in some of my first designs being, well, maybe they could like skip a turn or something. And other designers are like, no, no, that's never good. The answer is no. Um, but like, you know, with a, you know, with a nine to 10 year old kid now, I didn't want to be like, right. no, that's bad. Like, you know, um, and they are getting better about not wanting to always have things be a roll and move or things like that. Right. Cause, cause we, I purposely try to play games that aren't just that, not because I, I, I mean, I don't mind the classic games, right. We play mm-hmm. Candyland and I, I hacked Candyland so that they can't. I took out the bad cards like that would let you like super win. My daughter figured it out and called me out on it and she was ticked. 
Um, <laughs> but but the game is wildly unbalanced. So sure. So yeah. So it's um it's it's interesting to you know when you're doing that stuff with your kids and trying to expose them to different types of games and you know, um, so because I want them to learn to appreciate all sorts of games and that includes playing classic games. My daughter is a huge fan of Clue right now, and we're playing the heck out of that. Um, and I when we play Clue, I love Clue, but I just see all the things that are broken about it you know like the roll and move portion which is incredibly awful though i have been told apparently there's a card game version of clue that is just the guessing and i was like oh okay i gotta find that because sign me up for that because that sounds way better um yeah running around you know so that is something i'm going to be looking up here now that i just reminded myself (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely interesting with kids and i mean like playing with my daughter she loves Uno because she can attack me. And I mean, my kids too. Yeah. Uno is pretty universally hated in the board game design community, but I, I'm hard pressed to think of a time I've had more fun than like, yeah, yeah. just her excitement of making me draw four cards. Yep. Something I, to be said I, for that. I don't think Uno's a bad game. Like, I, I mean, I, I think it has, you know, it's got its flaws like any game, but no, in there have been so many versions now of Uno. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we just got, for Christmas this year, the kids got Uno Attack, um, which have you seen that before? I think is that the machine that spits out cards? Yeah, it sure does. And so basically, like, instead of having to draw cards, it's presses. Like how many times you have to press the button um, because it's okay. going to shoot cards at you. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty hilarious when you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so going to win. And you're like, oh, I have to press it three times. Like, there's no way. And then you don't get anything. And then the next person hits it once and they get like 10 cards. It's <laughs> awful, but it's, so, it, it, it's so much fun. That sounds um, pretty entertaining. Yeah. I mean, so that, uh, again, you're, you're right. Like I, I can't think of a time we've had more fun playing a game with the kids than <laughs> something like that, where it's just broken, but hilarious and fun. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, totally. I'm a big fan. Before we jump into our topic here, cause we do have something to talk about. I was curious, like, what are you like? Um, so I'm always excited to hear from different different designers. What what for you are are the types of games that are really interesting to you for design? Like what what do you find inspiring, um, and what kind of games do you gravitate towards? So the kind of the kind of games I try and design, I think there's like three maybe. I I really like trying to design something that's innovative in some way. Like I always mm-hmm. want to. Yeah. see if I can come up with a new way of approaching something or even just a completely new mechanic, um, which results in a ton of just broken, flawed games. But it's it's an interesting design challenge for me. Um, the second kind of game that I tend to design are games based on video games or various IPs that I just want to make into a board game. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I have my own like a Mario Kart game that my daughter and I like to play, uh, which That's is pretty awesome. fun. Um, one based, I don't know if you've seen the show Nailed It, which is based on like cake yeah. challenges. Yeah, 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 where they um, make awful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you just make these, or trying to make a pretty cake in as little time as possible. Right. Um, so uh, I guess stolen IPs new mechanics and then there's also a subsection which is just like title first games i think where yeah, i come up with yeah. probably Big a, fan. Like a terrible Big fan bad pun yep 
Hey, as but, Isaac as Isaac Shalev will say to you, uh, a good pun is two thirds of a board game. Like a good <laughs> pun is two thirds of a board game, and he's not wrong. Um, I mean, that other third can be can be a deal breaker. But <laughs> now, is he is he the designer of show and tile? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's okay. one of them. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah. Yeah. And many, many other things. Sakatsu, uh, which is one of my favorites. That's a really good tiling. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's real good. I guess it's not a tiling game, but it's a, it's a, uh, I mean, they're kind of tiles. I don't know. You, it's, you, it's like area control and you lay cards, you lay, um, little tokens down. It's real. Yep, fun. I have, so, I have that one. And they came yeah. out with a, a newer version with, I think pets. Yeah. Or, yep. Which I haven't looked at, but it, it looked yeah. pretty cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, those all all those games, those game ideas speak to me. And it, it is the interesting thing when you're trying to come up with something new and innovative. Um, it's funny because it's it's hard, right? Like it's really difficult to just be like, I'm going to do something completely different. Um, and and it can be really difficult to to do that and make something that actually works, right? Mm-hmm. But for all the bad ideas you end up with out of that, I still feel like it's totally worth it because every once in a while, something from that will resonate. And that's all you need, right? Is one thing to really resonate that you can push forward on. Um, and I think sometimes too, with those innovative ideas, they come out of nowhere. I- I'm working on a game right now um, that uh, with uh, with Michael Wasbrock and, uh, mm-hmm. and like we have this really what I think has turned out to be a super innovative mechanic. And I was like, I want to do this thing, but I don't know how. And Michael said, what if we do it this way? And now it's like, as we're playing this, like, this is cool. And I've never seen this before. This is weird. And, and it feels really good when you, when you hit that. And it was accidental. We were trying to solve a problem. And Michael said, would it be more interesting if we did this? And it turned out that yes, very much more. And, (laughs) <laughs> it's something we've never seen before. Um, so sometimes I think you can stumble into that too. And, you know, that's why being open to have what feels like ridiculous ideas. Cause when he first said the idea to me, my first gut was like, that's, that's a bad idea. <laughs> and then, and then I thought about it for about five minutes and I was like, no, or that's a really good idea. <laughs> right. Sure. So, yeah. I feel like I've definitely just like stumbled into the fun of a game before. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, stumbling into the fun is there is nothing wrong with that. I think that that's one of the reasons to be really open about your designs. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think, think that. Go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I think one of the other merits of that is every time you do design a game, even if the game ends up being broken, I think you come up with these small pieces. I've heard someone refer to it before. It's just like adding more tools into your toolbox so that the yep. next time you're designing, yep. you can say, okay, well, you know, this auction mechanic didn't really work in a previous game, but it would fit perfectly here. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Think or even saying like, I liked the feeling this gave me, but functionally <laughs> it didn't work. So how do I capture the feeling, but make it work? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which can be tough. I mean, it can take years to to come back around to a game and stumble onto that. But uh, when you do, it's it's like magic, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this works now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So hey, let's uh let's jump into the topic here. Okay. So um so I'm gonna intro the topic uh today. Normally I make the guests do that, but the way that we kind of came up with this, I, I want to kind of explain that to the listeners. Um and uh 
and I'm not going to, I'm not going to like be, I'll be very succinct about it because I'm actually going to use your words that we had in a conversation to explain <laughs> what the topic is. So we were, uh, we were messaging, uh, and I had said, Hey, we got to get you on the show. Like we should do a test run and see if you can get in. And you said, yeah, I fixed the problem. Like we can get back in. And I was like, Oh, great. You know? Um, so, mm -hmm. so we, we decided to record and, uh, and I was about to ask you like, Hey, I wonder what we could talk about. Um, and, and you said, um, that, you know, Amy Bale was on last week. And you said this, you said she can speak to designing in such a unique space and has a perspective about thoughts uh, on her designs. And sometimes I just feel sort of like I'm clunking around and not really making informed decisions or perspective about design. Uh, and you said, which is to say, I'm slightly concerned to derail the momentum of the podcast. <laughs> um, and like, I felt that comment, like, I mean, immediately responded and said, why don't we talk about that? Like, I literally feel like that every day. Um, and that surprised you, you, you know, that yeah, surprised you. And I was like, well, gosh, now we have to talk about it because clearly I haven't talked about this enough. If you were surprised that I feel that way. Um, yeah. I think that's really what made me feel like it was a topic worth touching on because I, it, it really did catch me off guard to say that you felt the same way. Uh, I feel like you've been, you know, you've had some public designs, you're working now with so many co-designers and things. So I felt like if, if I was feeling that and you're still feeling that way, especially then there's probably some uh, merit or worth that other listeners could find. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that, I think that a lot of people feel this, um, you know, and uh, even, I think even really experienced designers experience, get this sometimes we, we had talked before the show that it's, it's a lot of this revolves around like imposter syndrome, right? And mm -hmm. and everything I've read um, on imposter syndrome, especially from like Hollywood stars talking about it, like that's um, I think Aaron Paul was one of them, and um, from Breaking Bad, and you know, they, and these people had said that um, really, like as they said, you as you get more successful, you would think that you would feel better about that, right? But, but truthfully, as you get more successful, the fear of people realizing you're just clunking around and not making informed decisions um, <laughs> really uh, is, you know, is, a, is, is, the, is that threat that if they figure that out, they're going to know. And then no one's going to want to have you design games anymore because they're going to be like, oh, these guys, they don't know what they're doing, you know. Um, sure. It turns out Reiner Knizia has just been doing math. It's just been <laughs> shipping math equations to people. Uh, it just turns out they're fun to play, right? I mean, Reiner's probably the worst uh, example because <laughs> <laughs> clearly Reiner Knizia knows what he's doing. But, um, but I think that you know, but he he may not always feel that way, right? Um, I think that at some point everyone should feel that way. I, I hate to put like negative feelings on people, but like I don't know. To me, if you don't feel that way ever, like then <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you have too high of an opinion of yourself. <laughs> Maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's unhelpful, but yeah, I'm, I'm always impressed with people who seemingly just have on these untapped reserves of confidence, right? And that's right, never right. really been me going into something, you know, me, me either. Um, but, but so let's kind of talk about, you know, maybe what, what does it really mean to be like, you know, to just be making, you know, uninformed decisions about what to do with something, um, you know, I think. First of all, we all are doing that to a point, right? I mean, 
yes, with with more experience, absolutely, you have more experience to draw from. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it like some of the best designers I've seen are new at it, right? Like they're mm-hmm. newer at it sure. because their brain just works that way, you know. Um, I think of jerks like Julio, right? I mean, like that guy. Yeah, he's been designing for a while now, but like when he first started, he came in with these with these very innovative ideas, and it's because that's how his brain works, right? Um, Absolutely, yeah. And but I promise you that over the years, he has become a better designer and will continue to be a better designer because you're drawing on those experiences, right? Um, but but yeah, what happens? Someone, oh, go ahead, go ahead. As, as someone who was, as I said, listening to a lot of game design podcasts around like 2018, when Julio really started like breaking onto the scene, uh, he he was an easy person to be envious of. He just seemed like he was he had, right, right. Just showed up out of nowhere and had 50 games that he had somehow designed. Right, right, um, yeah, yeah. yeah he's you know, great. And, yeah. I mean, it, but it is it is easy to to play the game of like, oh, this person is super successful. And I think that's one of the big dangers to looking towards other people like in their Mm -hmm. success and saying like, oh, gosh, if only I had that. Right. Um, And and yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's it's not helpful. Right. It's not healthy to do those comparison games because there's always going to be someone better than you at it Mm -hmm. and more successful than you. Um. And there's no guarantees that they are, I mean, they're looking to someone else who's better and more successful than them, right? And saying, I wish I could do that, right? There's, sure, there's no, yeah. nothing to stop them from doing that as well, right? Yeah, I think a, a lot of people probably on some level feel envy towards the people that they have, that they see being successful in the same space that they're in. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from drawing comparisons to one another and saying, mm-hmm. you know, why why is Julio getting 50 contracts and it's not like he's going to go around and snatch up all of the contracts right 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 I I think that is something to remember like that this is something I had to learn in the beginning of game design when when I was unpublished and I just I did I felt like gosh like when when is going to be my chance right and but Mm -hmm. I but I realized that the success of others really is the success of all of us right because because we've got so many great designers out there and so many great games that has expanded the industry in ways that we would have never expected in a very short time. I mean, in the last 10 years, since I started doing this, the industry has exploded beyond Mm -hmm. people's wildest dreams. And, and that's great, right? That's really, really good. Um, but it also, you know, I mean, like it's because of the success of others that that's happened. Um, and there is, super space for all of us, right? Absolutely. I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you were designing, it was like, you're either making a, a Euro game or an Ameritrash game. And then you have people right. like Amy Bio or Eric Slauson come along and they're making games in this new space. That's just, you know, positive human interaction. What? What are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, and that really is, that really is true. And I think that is kind of the next big thing is, are these games that really step outside of those frameworks mm-hmm. um, that we kind of expect because, because in the, I think that in, you know, if there's only so many new mechanics we can come up with, right? Like there's only right. so many different ways to do things and there will always be innovation. But I think that those, those, the softer side of the innovation with the social things are really 
kind of the thing we're going to see grow more and more as more people realize just the value of games um, as more than just a fun entertainment thing, right? That's for mm-hmm. nerds like right. us. <laughs> yeah, I think the next step of innovation isn't in creating mechanics and is in finding new spaces to play games. Yeah. And new ways to play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so we're, I've, I've let us drift here a little bit. So, um, so like, I want to, I want to refocus back on, on this idea of, you know, not knowing what you're doing. Right. And, and mm-hmm. being new at it, like, like what I can, can you identify some of the things that for you personally, and then I'll be happy to do the same, like that really highlights that for you. Like, what are the things that where you feel the most, I guess, vulnerable around those ideas? Like what, what really sticks out to you there? Oh, I probably a list. Um, I know that's what we can talk about. (laughs) I mean, I think every time you send out a game that is, you know, precious to you as a designer Mm -hmm. to a publisher Mm -hmm. and they turn, they as polite as they might be say, you know, this just isn't for us. Right. It's hard right. not to take that as kind of a, a personal failure in some ways. And I think mm-hmm. over time, those things get easier. Um, like you always hear about authors who just keep lists of rejection letters and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, the first Unpub I went to was uh, Unpub 7, which you were actually at, I believe. Um, yes, yes, I believe so. It was my yeah. first ever play test with anyone and she was very nice about the game, but she was so critical that I left the room and I was actually crying. Oh my God. I was just yeah. like devastated. She's like, well, you know, it's, it's okay. It might be good for families with like very small children. Like she was trying to be nice, but also like unintentionally just like right. killing me on the inside. Right. Um, and I think, every time you go through a situation like that, where you're taking something that you've made and you show it Mm -hmm. to another person and then Mm -hmm. they don't, it doesn't resonate in the way you were hoping for. I think it's easy to feel like you don't, or you're, that's a failure in in some way in what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And in those experiences too, are, are, they're, they're really hard. Like the, the experience you described of like, you bring this game to unpub, you're so excited about it. And then somebody just destroys it, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I've seen that, like, I, I've seen that happen a couple times to where, like, for myself, uh, if I can share, um, you know, the mm-hmm. one of the ones that was completely self-induced, and I like to throw this one out there. I haven't talked about it in a long time, but I designed this game um, that I thought was going to be amazing. It was, a, it was a Wild West game. I think it was called Six Gun Shogun. And it was like, there were like, there was like this, these samurais and these cowboys in this town. And then like, and they were coming into the town and they were fighting or something. I don't remember, but it was like a, it was like a, like a wild west town builder slash. I don't even remember, but here's what I'll tell you. I put so much time and effort into that game. I felt so good about it. I made an awesome prototype that looked really good. Brought it to Gen Con. And I tried a play test of it and everyone that played it. And these were like, I remember I had like Rob, Christine, Josh Mills, some other people. Like I was stoked and they played it and they were just like, the, the, the things ranged from, I don't get it to this is oh, no. what, what is this to like, I mean, 
everybody was kind, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they were all my yeah. friends, right? And they know that I can take some punches, right? But like, like I was embarrassed. Like I was embarrassed that I was so excited. And then it was garbage, right? The game, like I literally threw the game away and have never looked at it since. And that's okay. Like, I mean, ideas are a dime a dozen. Like mm-hmm. if there's anything I've learned from the podcast is I've got way too many ideas that I'll never do anything with. And I keep a list, but that one is not on that list anymore. Cause I don't ever want to think about it again. <laughs> um, that was hard because that was on me. Right. But sure. then I think the hardest time I ever got feedback was, and I've, uh, I've talked about this to this person and I'm confident they won't mind me sharing it on the show. So I'm going to, um, which is I had my game Minecart Madness, which uh, for anybody that's followed along, Minecart Madness started out at Grand Con one year. I think it was Grand Con. Um, they had a design contest and I designed the game in like overnight, made a cool prototype, was this really unique idea and uh, and the judges looked at it and they loved it. And I think I got second or third place or something like that. So like, I was like, wow, this is cool. And one of the judges even said like, listen, if it hadn't been for this one judge really liking this one thing, I actually think you could have won. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. like what good feedback. Um, I play tested with some people. They loved it. So I like came home and I jumped hard into that game. Like I did a ton of work on it. It was this fun little racing game. I loved it. And everybody I played it with got it. And then I brought it to... I was hanging out with Isaac uh, Shalev uh, at something. I said, hey, man, I got a game. Would you would you play this for me? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, and so we played it. And he jotted stuff down on his notebook as we played it. And then afterwards, he, in the most polite manner, just picked apart all of the problems with the game. Um, and And he was right about every single one of them. He was kind about it. But, like, this was a game that I believed was done. I was ready to pitch this. I was ready to show it off. And I stopped working on the game after that. Like I just put it away because the feedback was, I didn't know what to do with it. I messed around with some ideas. They all ruined the game even worse. And I just junked it. Um, until three years later, maybe when now Kelly Hoagland and I are working on a brand new version of it. It's super fun. It's completely different. It still captures the original idea of the game, but Kelly has had amazing ideas and has made the game something a thousand times better and basically removed everything that would have, that, that Isaac found as an issue again, that he was totally right about. Um, and that moment was hard because I felt like I didn't, I, that was one of those moments where I was like, I'm just not good enough to do this. Right. Like I'm just sure. not good enough to do this. Um, and I was wrong and that was stupid. Uh, but I felt that way. And at the time it was okay to feel that. Right. I mean, we have to feel those feelings as we say, right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's also hard to know really what, what to do at that point. Cause I it think is, right? when, when you kind of get the, the wind knocked out of your sails, it mm-hmm. can be confusing. Not, not a lot of places I feel talk about that. And that's one of the reasons why I was willing to come on because like I said, you've had such a string of just fantastic, smart designers on. Um, but I think everyone on some level has gone through a, a moment of doubt or, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've at a point question, just leaving the hobby completely. Um, so 
there's not a lot of sources, I guess, where people are discussing that aspect. Or and right. I don't know if there's right. one right answer on what to do going forward. Oh, I mean, I think I think you know, figuring out what to do for yourself that is healthy, that is you know makes you feel better, um, and you know something you 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 want to move forward with, right? I, I'm mm-hmm. curious. So what? What did you do at Unpub after that happened? Like, what did you, you know, after you kind of, you felt those feelings, like, what did you do? Like, did you, did you keep playtesting the game? Did you stop? I mean, I'm really curious. I, I've actually, uh, similar to your Six Gun Shogun, or I've put that away. I've never played that game again. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's actually pretty cool. I might use that as my end of podcast pitch, but. I would love that. Um. I had a second game there, which again, the title's first design was called the Meeple's Court. And oh it was a card gosh. game for two players. A good pun is two thirds of a game right there. That I is mean, a fantastic name. And l- luckily, there's just, you know, a really nice couple who walked by and they said, well, you know, everyone at Unpop is very nice and they want, yeah. they're there to play games. Mm-hmm. So, and they were nice and they gave thoughtful feedback. And I mean, it wasn't, all positive, but they played the game a couple times. They even came back later in the day and played it again. So wow, nice. It was, yeah, it was really nice and it was reaffirming, but still it was, you know, as much positive feedback as you might get, you still focus and fixate on that, like one negative play test. Of course. Time. Of course. Yeah. Um, Unpub is notoriously scary for that because <laughs> I've had games before where you bring a game to Unpub and somebody plays it. And they give you good feedback, but that feedback makes the game unplayable. Like you're like, yep, this yep. is an inherent flaw with this game. I got to fix it. And I can't, I literally can't fix it while I'm here. Um, which is why I started always bringing multiple games to Unpub for that exact reason. Because if a game just gets destroyed, like what are you going to do? Right. And it doesn't even have to be that harsh of feedback. It can just be like that thoughtful, you know, this is kind of an issue with this. Like, and you're like, oh. Oh wow! Like I know how to fix that, but I can't. Like I can't fix it while we're here. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So then, um, at the end of that day, I was gonna leave, and I, I don't think I was planning to come back. And just offhanded, the person at the table next to me asked how my unpub was going, and it, it happened to be Ben Beagle, who coincidentally yeah. is now running unpub, and I, you yeah. know, I kind of confided in him dude. that yeah. I, he's the best. Um, he's so good. Yeah. If you get a chance to talk to him, definitely go talk to him. Um, I, I just happened. I told him, you know, I hadn't had a great time and he literally took me under his arm and then walked me around and started introducing me to people. Um, and it, I think just having him as a friend who listened and having that one person in the community who was there for me when I was down really kind of resonated with something inside mm-hmm. me. And I came back the next day and we talked and, I kept play testing uh, more Meeple's Court, and since then I've been or tried to go to every unpub that I can. But I think really at you know at that moment, if if he hadn't been there and just happened to reach out, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have kept designing or coming back. But I mean that's I guess speaks to how much difference one person can make in terms it's of true. You know, it's true. Just, and I think that's, yeah, that's fantastic. And that is, that is Ben through and through, right? <laughs> that, is, that is a kind of dude that Ben is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so so yeah well i i'm very glad that you know you um i'm very glad that you did keep doing this and keep designing um you know i mean i think that sometimes we just need that one person to encourage us but obviously that was quite a while back sure and now you're saying sometimes you still feel like you are just kind of um you know moving moving through not sure what to do and i'll tell you for myself one of the things that's very triggering to me is um and this isn't like anything wrong anybody does but when somebody like really talks like like they just you hear them like explain things right like mm-hmm. oh i've got this idea and they're like oh i, I remember, actually i was talking to eric lang at one point and we were i was showing him a game uh for for a company he was working at at the time and i said hey you know what about this or this? And he's like, well, but did you think about this, this, and this? And I was like, no, like, <laughs> no, of course not. No. What? Um, like, how did you think of those things just off the top of your head? Right. Um, and it's experience, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. But like, I mean, I really, that I, I, I've talked about this in business before, and I think I've mentioned it here too, that, I used to, when I was in the mortgage industry, I would go to these, uh, these conventions, uh, like these mortgage conventions. <laughs> I've been like talking about a lot of fun. Let me tell you what game conventions got nothing on mortgage <laughs> conventions. Um, that sounds to wild. Be fair, they did send us to like universal studios and stuff for like parties. So that, that okay. was, cool. but the rest of it was, you know, not great. Um, so anyways, uh, you would there would be people there and I would hear them talking and they would just be like talking about like I'd be in this like circle of people talking and like I was in the industry for 20 years like I knew a lot of stuff right like a lot of stuff and I'd hear them talking and I'd think I don't even understand what they're saying some of this stuff and two they just know so much I will literally never be that person like I will never be that into this in that understanding of it you know i am somebody who will always be a jack of all trades master of none i'm somebody who will always be never in the inner circle always kind of on the outside and those type of things can really for me exacerbate those feelings right and just Mm -hmm. just make them um so much worse and um definitely and that's that's where i think a community like ours comes in handy right because Mm -hmm. there are people who i can who I can talk to a lot of them who are smarter than I am and have better ideas than me, but like we can chat like, and we can, you know, figure stuff out together. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think I mean, there are definitely those people in the industry, like Eric Lang and people who just seemingly designs just kind of like come to them in, in some way that I, I can't define. Mm-hmm. Actually, with the tabletop mentorship program, I signed up for it, and the first person I was paired with was um, Jay Treat, who is yeah brilliant. He, I mean, I feel yeah. confident he could probably be a professor of board games, and now he's with Direwolf right. Digital, I think. Right, right, um, right. But I was talking to him, and I, I expressed to him that you know I was frustrated with. I felt like I I didn't know what I was doing and I hadn't really had a measurable success in the industry or the hobby. And he much more eloquently than I'm going to quote him. He said, (laughs) you know, the important thing is, you know, you put your pride into the work and into the design, not by, you know, you don't measure your success by whether or not that design gets signed or published or anything like that, but you just 
take pride in, you know, the craftsmanship of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think once I was able to kind of flip my perspective on design in that way and saying, you know, just because this design hasn't, you know, found a publisher or something doesn't mean right. it's not a legitimate design. Mm-hmm. And like publication, lack of publication doesn't mean you're not an actual board game designer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Some of the best games I've played ever. So my favorite games that I've played have never been published and probably will never be published. Um, and those games, in my opinion, some of them are so much better than the stuff that gets published. I'm not saying good stuff doesn't get published. I'm just saying like it is right. You can't measure that. Um, actually reminds me of Ted Lasso, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, (laughs) Ted Lasso says, you know, I don't measure success in wins and losses. I measure it that, that the team, each one of those people can be the best version of themselves. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what we have to think about as designers, right? Like if I'm taking pride in what I'm doing, if I'm having fun with what I'm doing, I, you know, that that's, what's most important. Right. Um, but, but, but still (laughs) that's hard, right? It's hard to say that it's hard to not have a game published and say, it's okay. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've been there. Right. I've also hit dry spells where I've had a game published and then waited a long, long time to even sign another game. And just, it's just rejection, rejection, rejection. Um, And I've tried more in the discord now to say like in our weekly updates, Hey, I did five pitches this week. I had five rejections. (laughs) Like, because I think that that's important. Right. I think too many times we say, I've got these pitches lined up, you know, and then we either don't hear about them or we hear that they were a success. And I think it's really important to say, look at, I'm out here busting my butt trying to get people to look at these games and they don't want them. Right. Right. And like, and that's, that's okay. Um, I think that for me, one of the things, and this is something I would recommend to anyone who really feels like they are stumbling around. Like, I'm not sure what to do. Um, you know, maybe I'm not good enough to do this. Co-design a game with someone because just the simple act of working with someone else gives you instant validation on the fact that you have ideas that are sometimes good and sometimes bad. They have ideas that are sometimes good and sometimes bad. Um, I promise you every famous designer who's got tons of games out there has made some real stinkers and had some real bad ideas that have never come out. Um, because otherwise they wouldn't be taking any risks, right? Um, sure. I'm sure there's a Reiner Knizia game that's all full of algebra. That's just awful. Um, <laughs> I mean, at least for anybody who's bad at algebra, which is me um, and probably millions of other people. So, so yeah, I think that, I think that that's some, a piece of advice I would give is, you know, to, to work with somebody else um, because sometimes we just need not just validation, but we just need to build our own confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't change. That never changes. I, I think that we always need that, right? Sure. Yeah. And I think it's it's a lot easier to be critical on yourself, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think when uh, sometimes in, in the Discord, people's, you know, kind of express that they don't feel like they're a real designer or anything like that. And the way I look at them, they, they absolutely would be. It's just like if, if someone is a painter and they paint pictures every day, they're an artist, you know, Mm 
Mm-hmm. You don't have to have something hanging in a gallery to be officially an artist. And I think correct. Ultimately, what what helped me, other than co designing, was the Discord, um, and just the weekly meetups. Being kind of part of a design community, I found was sort of felt like the piece that was missing to me in terms of what I didn't feel like I was getting out of the hobby. Right. So I would recommend if anyone is lit, I, I would think probably anyone who listens to this podcast um, would definitely qualify as a, a board game designer should check out the discord and mm-hmm. join, join because it's a fantastic group of just incredibly talented people. So um, many talented people. They're amazing. There are people there like running conventions and designing their own games and just like fantastic graphic designers. There's, I feel like every facet and they're all, you know, excited and kind of eager to bring each other up. Um, yeah. And that is, that is one of the best things is the community that, that forms around that where people just want to help each other. Right. Like in that, like that, this, the board game community is one of the best communities I've ever seen for that. Um, and on the notes Absolutely. of, you know, anybody who listens to this probably qualifies as a game designer in our core values, we state, and I'm reading this so that I get it right, that we believe if you design games, you are a game designer. And anyone that says differently is wrong. <laughs> um, because because being published, heck, being good at designing games, none of those things make you a game designer. What makes you a game designer is designing a game, right? That's that's it. Absolutely. You design a game, you are now a game designer. Are you a published game designer? Doesn't matter. Are you a brilliant game designer? Doesn't matter. Um, if you are those things, cool. But like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what what you do have that no one else else that no one else will ever have is you have your unique perspective. And the world needs more of that from people. Right. The world needs more of the game that they can design that no one else can design. And and it's easy to say that, oh, there's better designers out there. And there are. Right. Mm-hmm. But like no one can there. Are, there are games inside of you that you will design that no one ever would have thought to design or could design. Um, And are they the best games in the world? We don't know yet, but like, but if you don't put them out there, no one will ever get to experience them, you know? And that's, that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like going back to what we were talking about before with all these new designers, a lot of the newer designers are creating some fantastic innovative things that are seemingly coming out of left field because they're not restrained by the same design ideas that a lot of people who have been designing for a long time have about like Mm -hmm. what a game has to be or needs to have in it. So yes, that anyone can come forward and offer a unique perspective in that. Yep. I, I in my old job with my team, I would call that the value of stupid questions <laughs> because people would say there are no such thing as stupid questions. And there are, there are really stupid questions, but like, I find that when, when I would like, I, there was this, this uh, woman that I was helping to train to be a programmer. And she is now, even before I left several years ago, she is light years beyond where I'll ever be. Right. <laughs> Not through my training. I just got her started. I helped <laughs> give her the spark to realize that she could do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, and then she took it off on her own and just flew way, way beyond where I'll ever be or where I frankly am capable of being. And I'm good with that. Um, 
But one of the things that I loved was when I was when I was trying to teach her the stuff in the beginning, she would be like, this is probably a dumb question. But and she'd ask me. And I remember the first time I said, that is a super dumb question. And she was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, and you just solved our problem because you asked it. And she's like, what? And I was like, I would have never occurred to me that we could do this thing because that's not how you do it. Right. And and she was the question she asked was so perfect. And it allowed us to be innovative and fix this problem that I didn't know how to fix. And it's exactly what you're saying, which is, you know, if I've been designing for 20 years, I know what a game should have. I know how a game should work. Right. And um, yeah. And as when I, when I took, when I was in coaching school, um, they, they would say, don't should yourself. And I love that. <laughs> like, you know, um, because, because yes, there are, there are principles that make a game, you know, better or worse. For instance, lose a turn. We can all agree is bad, <laughs> but, but there could be a game. There could be a game where that's not bad, right? Maybe losing a turn is actually a good thing. Um, you know? Uh, yeah. So it might, it might be so, out there. Honestly, exploding kittens that I play with my kids, I, I would gladly lose a turn in that game because it basically means you're not <laughs> going to die the next round for sure, because you're not taking a turn. Um, so, so anyways, yeah, long story short, you know, um, get, get out there and do it in, in you, the biggest thing is you have to find a way to move forward, even if you feel this way. And I know, so spoiler ahead of time, you did say to me, Hey, I feel like I've kind of found peace with this. Um, so I would love to talk about, cause this was, you know, a, Oh, probably uh, it was actually only a few days ago. So good job on that quick turnaround. But like, like what, what is it for you that helped you find a point where you were comfortable and said, you know what? This is, this is okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. However long this piece will last, I feel like I was, I felt really close to being on the cusp of kind of getting to where I wanted to be with board games. And that was, I think it was early 2020. Like I just signed my first game and then I was waiting and, you know, the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I'm sure everyone's aware of that by now, but then at some point things, things started to kind of calm down a little bit around spring of 2021. Mm-hmm. And I, I put off going out to get my eyes checked and Sorry. Uh, I got an email one day, I think, and it was the company. They said, you know, because of the pandemic, unfortunately, we're going to shut down. So we're not going to be able to publish your game. I'm really sorry about that. And then that kind of knocked the wind on my sails. And then I was getting my eyes checked because I had some trouble with my vision. And the doctor's like, oh, and by the way, I can't like correct your eyes. So I think there's a tumor in your brain, like crushing your optic nerve. So, and that was all within like a 24 hour period. And I kind of just like the day I found out, I, the, that was right before um, I went there, I posted something in the discord and I was like, it was like a self-pitying post. And I was like, oh, you know, I posted it and I kind of felt like I was being self-indulgent and I didn't think it was really helping the conversation at all. So I wound up deleting it. And then you actually messaged me and you said, Hey, you know, I thought I was crazy, but did I see you post something? And 
you opened up and you kind of shared some of your same experiences with um, some designs that hadn't gone the way you had hoped and some, I think, contracts that had fallen through maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I think at that point, I kind of made just a conscious effort, you know, and, and you checked in periodically month to month, which uh, I was very grateful for and just, you know, casually checking on my health. And then I, you know, tried to actively become more involved in the community and take take part in joining joining the weekly meetups and just feeling like, you know, I'm a lot of times I feel like I'm designing these games for myself or just for my family, and I don't have any interest in uh, publishing or even pitching them to publishers. But sorry, I was. It's, it's all right. It's all right. So I've never, uh, I guess, tried to couch it all in one design. But I think looking at all the people in the Discord and the people who are coming to the weekly meetups, who are out there and forming this design community and everyone's approaching it from such a different perspective and different angle. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, none of them, none of us, I feel like, have everything figured out and we're all just kind of learning it together gave me more peace and comfort and feeling like, you know, I have a sense of belonging there. I look forward to every week getting to go and like share updates and listen to how everyone else's games coming along. And I just, I think that for me, at least right now is, is, is more than enough. And it's something, you know, that I've really cherished and made a part of my, hobby now as as a whole and feeling like you're part of this collective part hobby i guess um has really helped me i guess not aspire so much to have published games but just you know aspire to to be a contributing member of this community and there's no real metrics for success with them other than you know sharing up and or showing up and you know just being there which is yeah. the basic least minimum requirement, which is why I would recommend anyone who's listening should definitely check it out if you haven't yet. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah, sorry, I, that didn't, was I rambling. didn't know. I did not know you were going to share that. So, but I'm glad you could. I didn't either. Um, and <laughs> I think that's why about that ahead of time. kind of rambly and strange. Um, I didn't talk about it ahead of time because I didn't want to, I didn't want it to seem like I was like oh, pandering to you or saying like, oh, you know, I'm going to talk about how uh, nice of a guy you are. Cause I feel like sometimes <laughs> nobody will believe that anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. Next you're going to have Matt Riddle on next. Yes. Then... He'll, he'll put me in my place. That's fair. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, and I appreciate too, the words about the community. And I, I think that, um, I've heard other people express the idea that, you know, just being able to show up and be a part of a group has been so helpful. And I know it's been game changing for me, no pun intended. I mean, it's just been like really, really good to see people every week and just, you know, like it started out being all about like accountability and updating. And now it's just like about telling your friends, like what you're working on and that's and hearing what they're working on. And, and that's fun, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just, you know, our friend Rob on there talking about installing, you know, fans and making puns about it. Um, sure. And that's that's OK. Like <laughs> it's, we all enjoy it um, and we all help to motivate each other and we all help each other, you know, and and mm-hmm. sometimes that's just showing up. And, you know, 
so yeah i um you know in in finding the the peace with the whole thing is um it, it is temporary right i mean i think the thing is you're always going to end up feeling you're going to find low points in your designs like even if you even if you set your goals in a way that you know they're always achievable there's still going to be times when you're going to be like is this really it is this mm-hmm. is this what i want to do um and that's okay like that is absolutely okay um and if someday like i i was just reading this book um uh i just finished this book called 10 years in nomad um completely not about game design but like the the guy talks about like traveling for 10 years and and then one day he's like i'm done traveling like, i'm just <laughs> done like i don't want to do it anymore and like and that was terrifying to him and you know part of the the thing is figuring out like is it okay if I just don't want to do a thing anymore? And, and of course that's okay. Right. Um, I don't want to, I, I hate seeing if somebody like just decides not to do the hobby anymore, but I also understand it. I mean, heck Rob couch, former host of this podcast, right. Was super into design, has published games, worked really hard at it. Did, you know, 300 plus episodes of a podcast with me. And, um, and he decided to stop. And, And it's funny. It didn't actually hit me how much Rob stopped designing until he said, Hey, I've got a bunch of extra bits um, that I'm not using anymore. Uh, do you want them? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I'm just going to let you throw them away. So he gave me all these bits and what really surprised me and, and really gave me pause was in there were pieces of prototypes that he had disassembled that I had played. Uh, and they were prototypes he was serious about. And and I was like, okay, so he's, he's really done with this. Um, and, and I, I mean, I, I had to be okay with that, right? <laughs> because, yeah, absolutely, yeah. you know, because that's what's better for him. And we're, we're still friends. I still text with him routinely. <laughs> uh, we still have dinner sometimes, but like, um, but he's not in the hobby anymore. And that's, that's okay. That's his journey, right? Not that I'm advocating for people to run <laughs> away from the hobby, um, but it has to be okay for people to not feel like they have to do something right. Um, again, you can't say that I should stay in this because, because I have to, that's not, that's not fair right. to anyone. Um, yeah. And I don't people think deserve to be would, happy. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't think you'd derive any joy out of it. If you felt like once you start designing, there's no stopping. Right. right. And I think that for some people, when it becomes a job, like if it becomes, you become successful enough and it becomes a thing that you do that can happen. Right. Um, I think that's why so many popular designers we see still have day jobs outside of game design because they like the day that they like that it's a side hustle. They like that they are successful and make money off it. And, and you know, these other things they get to do, but they don't want it to be all of them because it's just not how they want to do it. And that's totally okay. Sure. So well, hey, this was a really, really, really nice conversation that we got to have here. Um, I, I hope that people find it helpful. You know, I hope that, you know, others are able to say like, yes, I feel this. This is good. Like, I know I've got some ideas of what to do with that. Um, you know, and if, and if if not, if you don't know what to do, listen to Brian, come to the Discord and like hang out with us, you know, yeah. come to the just Discord say, and hang out. <laughs> just say, I don't know what to do. Right. And. Yeah. And that's, that is okay. Um, 
Well, you did promise me you would pitch a game, so I'm going to hold you to that because I, I want to hear a game that you're going to pitch. And uh, so, are you, are you going to pitch the one, or are you going to pitch a different one? Yeah, uh, I'll pitch. Um, uh, there's there are some parts of this design that are cringy. Um, it okay, I will pitch that game. It was called right. Santa Stop Here, and the premise of the game was that everyone had a house. And the goal was to stack, there was a dexterity stacking game. The goal is to stack as many tacky decorations on top of your house as possible to try and attract Santa. Um, and it had, it, I really went pretty heavy into it. I made probably all the rookie design flaws where it's like, you know, over overspending on components. I had pre-ordered cards for it that I'd gotten shipped, like print on demand cards. Um, and there are lots of different, there are different play modes. So like you would at the start of the game, draw Santa and it would be a Santa from a different region of the world, which would also slightly modify how the game was played. Um, but then at the end, you just had this giant, um, it was the North pole and you would use that to measure how high you had stacked the decorations. And the only catch Mm -hmm. was each decoration. Some of them had, uh, ports where you'd have to connect them to other decorations with an extension cord. So like you had to have a continual string of electricity for some of them, which Uh added a a slight wrinkle to just a generic stacking game. But it was a, so I think one, one of the things that I realized or learned from this design in the past was I had, Cut the com- I had ordered the components and cut them out on a wooden laser printer, I guess. Uh-huh. So they were pretty light and didn't stack very easily. Okay. Um, yeah. So that really is is an instance where you know a, a little bit more advanced playtesting would have helped me or saved me some some heartache at Unpub. Oh yeah, for sure. But like the core concept of that game sounds ridiculously fun and innovative and cool i mean that's 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 not a bad idea at all (laughs) so like i i mean well you may have had issues with designing like in with the execution of the prototype like that sounds really cool sure it's and it's definitely one that a lot of times i'll design i think with like a family game mindset with my daughter in mind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and that was one that i was hoping to which I, i might still break it out and play with her someday but yeah, it was it was pretty fun. And I, I didn't throw it away, and I might come back to it at some point. But it was just, right, right. I think, a game that represented a low point in in my design. And, I mean, some something that I just walked away from. So maybe and the lesson there yeah. is, I, I don't know what the lesson is. <laughs> I, I can tell you, I know I've said this before, but when I look back, I keep I have a Google Drive folder for every single game that I've ever done any real work on. So there's, there's a lot of folders, a lot. And some of them are like, I actually have a folder that's just ideas and that's just a sheet, a Google sheet for every single game or a spreadsheet or a, or a, you know, a document. Um, and when I go back and look at one of those games, I have generally two feelings. I have, why did I stop working on this? This, this is great. And what was I thinking? And sometimes <laughs> I'll think it's great. And then I'll start to read it and be like, oh, nope, that's why it was awful. Okay. Um, and sometimes it'll just be a titled spreadsheet and I open it and it's blank 
but it's got the game title for that title first design we were talking about. Well, it's two thirds of the way done. Right. As long as it's a good title. Um, so can you make that last third live up to the title? Um, well, that no, I think that that uh, I think that Santa stacking game sounds sounds pretty cool. And uh, it's a good it's a good theme. Uh, I love the incorporation of Santas from around the world, like because that's something that not as many people think about. And I think that's super mm-hmm. cool. Um, so, yeah. 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 Thanks. Well, this we'll has see. been again, this has been super fun. I um, I've loved chatting with you today. I'm glad we got to cover a lot of ground and uh, and talk about some real important stuff. And I, I hope everybody found it useful. Um, yeah, me too. I, I mean, I just hope people out there at least know if they, they feel like they don't have a clue what they're doing, they are not alone. Yes, that is very, very true. Um, yeah. And, uh, and like Brian said, go to our, like, check out our discord. You can go to our website and find that building Otherwise, if you want to email us, you can email us at building at gmail.com. Find us on the Twitter at podcast BTG. I am at J E Slingerland. Brian is at Venny Brian, which is uh, his last name is V E N N E. And then Brian, the normal way. Um, yeah. And uh, please, please come back next week. But until then, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game.